Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Joining me today is Matt Paprocki, president of the Illinois Policy Institute. We spend a lot of time on this podcast diagnosing problems in our state and outlining the solutions to fix them. And we do it because we want life to be better for all of us here in Illinois. What I love about Matt is that he takes that conversation to the next level by reaching out to folks outside of our organization who want the same thing. Today, we'll talk with Matt about his views on Illinois' biggest challenges, what he hopes to achieve to turn the tide, and the stories he's telling on his new podcast, Stay and Fight which launches later this month. Matt, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thanks, Al. All right. So I'm going to flip some of my favorite questions that you always ask me and other people on you. So I know you always like to ask uh, new people you meet or people you're visiting with for the second, third, fourth time, um, what keeps you up at night? I think that's such a good question. Um, and I'm curious, how do you answer that question? What keeps you up at night? Uh, yeah, we're starting small here, right? Yeah, with like always. The, with the big no issues. warm-ups. Uh, there's a lot of things. You know, I mean, obviously family is a huge part for me. And uh, thinking about my kids and what their futures are going to be. Uh, I'm also, I'm concerned about hope. And I think that there's a lack of hope that we see in Illinois right now is you see people moving. You see people talking about, can I have a future here? And you see other people saying, can I raise my family? Or... If my kids grow up here, do they want to come back? And that scares me because hope hope is the only thing that's ever changed the world, right? It's this idea that if you believe in something, it can happen. But once that starts dying, uh, people will start leaving. And it's, it's going to become an unvirtuous cycle that uh, it scares me on how we're going to get out of it. The reason I like that question so much is because it's kind of the flip side of the coin to how people view a lot of the truth telling that we do. So we have to do a lot of uncomfortable research that shows things that people don't like to hear about our population loss or our pension debt. And that gets really hard because it it comes off as demoralizing. Um, When in fact, you know, the way I view it is you have to establish the right baseline. You know, we do have a population problem. We do have a pension crisis. But I think the reason why I like your framing on that is because you're thinking about it as somebody who cares passionately about your home. And it does keep you up at night that we have these problems. It's very personal for you. And so, you know, you talked about worrying about your family and, and the future of, of where the Paprockies live. Does Fiona stay here? Yeah. Um, what in particular about our work do you think, you know, is, is the biggest challenge for us to, to not only face but fix here in Illinois? Man, we got we got a whole host of problems here that we have to address. Uh, glaringly, you know, it's 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 really a mindset shift that most people have to have. You know, when you when I talk to people and I ask about where are they excited, what do they see for the future, most people will tell you about their family. They'll say something about uh, I just had a lunch with a friend of mine yesterday who was talking about how his daughter just started rowing. Rowing, excuse me, she joined the crew team. Uh, at uh, Louisville, and she's rowing collegiately for them. And he's excited about that, right? He can't wait to go watch her and watch her compete. Uh, You have other people who are excited about vacations or their kids coming home for the weekend. Uh, And it's really, I think that's what makes Illinois a special place is that 
why people stay here is it's it's a community. It's your family. It's the investments that you've made. Uh, and it's all right here. And where where we really have opportunities is it's all these ancillary things. It's all these other issues uh, that that make life difficult. It's property taxes rising. It's a pension costs that are affecting how much we're spending on poor and disadvantaged people. It's all of these, I don't know, governmental ancillary problems uh, that that quite frankly are just kind of distractions on, on what our lives are. Uh, and so I think that there's huge, huge reasons to be optimistic because these investments are all still here. And the, the problems that we have, they're very solvable. And, and what excites me about the work that we're doing is we can solve them, right? It's the Illinois Policy Institute, hundreds of other groups throughout the state, they're all fighting for the same thing. And that's, that's a better future for the state of Illinois. One thing that I, I always think about with you two, you talked about one of the first times you came to Chicago as a young man um, and how exciting the city was for you. And, and I had a similar experience. Neither of us is from here, but we've chosen to make our homes here. Uh, it's a, such a special place. And I think that sometimes the national headlines that focus on Chicago, they, reporters like to talk about, well, our problems with crime or the fact that we have a lot of public corruption here. But what do you love about Chicago? What keeps you here? Well, I think there's an interesting thing that you say about crime, because I'll say I live in the city of Chicago. I live in Lincoln Park. Every single day, I run from my house to the office. I walk home most days, or I'll ride a bicycle on my way back. I'm not saying crime's not here, and I'm not saying crime's not a problem. Crime has never affected me. And quite frankly, any of my neighbors, any of my friends, I have not actually seen the direct impacts that are happening from crime. And that's not to say that Illinois and Chicago don't have a crime problem. They do. Uh, but there's, there's often this perception of what you, what you see is all there is. And so that's this concept of, remember when COVID started and uh, that there's that one guy who wrote an op-ed for the New York Times and the op-ed loosely said, uh, New York is dead and it's never coming back. Right. And Jerry Seinfeld, like famously, like penned an op-ed that said, well, you're an idiot. You know, and to an extent, he was right. Certainly, you know, New York has come back. Chicago has come back. Right. You walk on the streets right now. The, the train tracks are filled with, you know, people coming, commuting to work every single day. Restaurants, there's lines. Life is really back here in the city of Chicago. But for this individual, what they experienced at that moment was that New York was dead. And it was. Government decisions killed New York for the time being. And he couldn't think out of that mindset that this is not the way that it's always going to be. And I think that's very true in the city of Chicago, in the state of Illinois. It doesn't have to always be corrupt, right? We don't always have to have crime problems. These are things that we can solve. Are they problems right now? Yes. Are they affecting our lives? Well, some people, certainly. But does that mean that it always has to be that way? Well, absolutely not. You know, another great example of this is Mike Madigan was Speaker of the House for 38 years, right? He was the most powerful politician in United States history, to the point that nobody inside of the, the legislature, nobody down in Springfield, knew what to do when Mike Madigan left, because it had always been that way. And there was just this assumption that he was going to live forever, or that he was going to continuously be the Speaker of the House. Well, what we're seeing now is something very, very different. And I think that's the mindset that we have to, we got to change out of is what we see is not all there is. There's a brighter hope and there's reasons to be optimistic. And I'll say every indication that we're seeing, you know, from the state of Illinois, what people are saying gives me huge reasons to be optimistic. 
I like the idea of a mindset shift. And it's interesting that you bring up the post Madigan aftermath because that was what it felt like. Okay, so Madigan had been there for so long. He'd been calling the shots, getting everybody lined up with their tasks, everybody executed, and all was well within the machine. Yeah. But when he left, it was like chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah. From the outside looking in, it seemed like that. I don't know what it was like inside. Um, but is is that part of the mindset in government in your experience? Because I know you were in the state house for a long time before you and I both joined around the same time in 2012. That's right. Um, but is there a mindset in Illinois state government, maybe even spreading to local government, that just kind of rejects new ideas or or simply wants to stay with the comfortable status quo? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. Uh, I will say government and leaders, especially, and this doesn't matter what this, it's local government, Springfield, D.C., uh, they're lag indicators for what's happening in our culture in general. Uh, so they will always be late to the party. Now, I'll say something was different in the state of Illinois where there was a case of Stockholm Syndrome, right, is that is that the prisoners didn't know what it would be like if they were free. And that's when, when Madigan left. And that's a problem. But what it's created is, I think, huge opportunities for everybody, is that the framing is completely different. Uh, just an example, and this is in a policy uh, discussion, but on a lot of tax credits or uh, uh, other bills, they'll put a sunset, meaning that this bill will only last for five years. And after that, the General Assembly has to reconsider it. The reason they put this in there is so that politicians gain more power and they can extract everything they can out of whatever the interest group is. Well, there's a conversation that happened with one of the uh, the leaders of the General Assembly that said, why does it have to be this way? That's a huge deal. Like that is a major change that's happening just because the person who was in power is finally leaving. Uh, so I think there's huge opportunities there. You know, there's another major change that when this shift happened in the state of Illinois, when Mike Madigan left, what we always saw, and this is research that you've reported on in the past, is that 50% of elections were uncontested. Meaning that for half the people, half, one out of every two people in the state of Illinois, they don't have an individual to vote for, for local office. None. You go in, you see one name on the ballot, and you vote for them. Where we're looking at for this next election, post-Madigan, 90% of these races are going to be filled. That is a major, major change. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to be said as far as when a change happens, it creates huge opportunities. And I think that there's huge opportunities right now. Uh, but also, I think your original question was regarding uh, government and whether or not they just operated the same way. You're right. And, and I started by saying they're, they're a lag indicator. They're a lag indicator of something uh, that is a lead that's already happening. And if you look at where our culture and society in Illinois has gone, every indication is really, really promising. So, for example, there is a poll that just came out on pensions. You, you know, pensions, this this idea that most people have no idea what they are, what is a public pension, and how does it affect your, my life, anybody's. People now understand it. Not only do they understand it, but a poll shows that 65% of people, nearly two or three out of every five individuals, support pension reform, right? This change would change the future of the state of Illinois. It would reduce property taxes. It would shift way more money into poor and disadvantaged communities, lifting people up out of poverty. So that is, that is a huge indicator of the moment that we see right now with the people in the state of Illinois, and the lag comes in the form of government. So that's one of those issues that, is it happening today? No. 
But if we're patient, I promise you it's going to change here in the very near future. Well, patience can combined with persistence. So you and I were recently talking about how on this pensions example, um, it's a it's a lot of education that has to take place to even fill people in on what is a public pension, why does it matter to you? Because if you're not getting one, yeah. well, why think about it? Yeah. Um, and I, I one of the things I'm proudest of out of IPI is this this new research that shows okay the years and years of research and storytelling that we've done it's starting to click with people and they get okay pension leads to cost of government going up leads to um, taxes going up jobs not getting created at the same rate, economy not growing the way that it should. And then all of this is just cyclical and it, it goes round and round until someone decides to stop it. Yeah. And there's there's a huge there's a huge change that's going to happen from this. The story that I always tell is uh, the, the pension system. Again, this, this big archaic uh, system that has largely bankrupting our state. The example that I always use on this is me. You know, I worked for the state of Illinois for seven years. Uh, during that time that I worked for the state of Illinois, I paid $0 into the pension system, not one penny. And if I went back to the state of Illinois right now and work invested in the pension system, I'd receive millions of dollars, right? That's not fair. It's not fair to everybody else to go have to foot that bill. For me, I never paid my fair share. I never paid anything. And the system is is broken and, and archaic anyway, where they say, you're guaranteed these benefits. It doesn't matter where the stock market goes. It doesn't matter how much money you put in. It doesn't matter uh, any of the other factors that we all live with on a normal, everyday basis. And this is not to fault the workers, right? It's, it's not their fault. It's that they were given a broken system. And they were saying, here's promises that aren't realistic. And so when we start looking at it, I always say, well, fix the problem for somebody like me. Vest what you put in. For somebody like me, zero dollars. And make changes going forward so that somebody like me can't make millions of dollars on taxpayers of the Illinois. That's that's where things can really change. And that's going to fundamentally change the entire system. And I, you, you bring up a couple of really good points about the way that you have to look at a big problem like that. So on the one hand, of course, we are always the biggest advocate for taxpayers. So yeah, it's not fair for somebody to put in little to nothing and expect a million, multi-million dollar payout in retirement. On the other hand, you bring up fairness to workers. So if you're making promises that you know you can never keep, that puts them in a terrible situation totally. because they are bank. I always think of my mom. My mom was a public school teacher for 35 years and was a very talented teacher, always got the kids no one else wanted to get. And she was good at her job. And, you know, she took less money in salary because she knew she'd be taken care of in retirement. Yeah. She And knowing is different from, you know, she, she felt comfortable and confident. But again, to your point, if we're promising things that we can't deliver on, it's not fair to taxpayers. It's not fair to the workers. We got to fix it. That's right. So that's why I love um, what you're doing with this new podcast that we're about to launch called Stay and Fight. So you are boldly taking on these really cool conversations with people who want to do the same kinds of things that we're doing. They want to make this a place where everybody can live and succeed, Illinois, of course. Um, so I want to know from you, why did you decide to do this? And maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, one of the conversations that you've had to kick this thing off. Yeah. So the, the the myth in Illinois is that everybody's going and the last one left, turn off the lights. It's, it's just not the reality. The majority of people are staying, right? Our neighbors, our friends, and people have always left the state. The truth is, is this is not a unique Illinois problem. It's obviously happening in California, New York, but it's also happening in Florida. 
It's also happening in Texas. People are leaving. This is part of human nature as they look for opportunities where it's going to be best for them. Now, we seem to uh, have more people leaving than coming in, but this is, just, this is a natural human problem that exists. But what I wanted to fight against was that there are amazing people in this state who have built amazing things, right? Not just companies and businesses, but families and legacies and ideas. And they built them here in Illinois, and they're staying, and they're fighting for the future. And so instead of telling all these stories of, oh, my neighbor's thinking about moving, or, hey, this person at work is thinking about getting out of here, or Illinois is terrible, we need to shift this. And we need to start telling stories of these great Americans, these great Illinoisans who have, who have stayed here and built amazing things and are fighting for the future. And the conversations have been awesome. We have some of the coolest people I've talked to. Uh, Randy Lewis is one of my favorites. Randy was a senior vice president at Walgreens. And when he's there, his son gets diagnosed with autism. And Randy says at that point, he starts praying. And his prayer is, he hopes his son dies before he does. Right. And it's just, it's a prayer that's met out of it's coming out of sincerity of this idea that nobody else will love his child the same way that Randy loves him. And so he's scared of a world where he's not there and he can't protect him. So Randy's running this major division at Walgreens, right? A great Chicago, a great Illinois company. And he's running this major division, all of uh, logistics and distribution, and they're building a new plant in South Carolina. And Randy has this idea. What if we hired people like my son? What if we hired people with disabilities and brought them into this facility? So his goal is to have 30% of all their workforce have disabilities, right? No company's ever done this in the history of the world. And not only do they get it done, they do it at a cheaper cost because people with disabilities show up for work every day and there's almost no absenteeism. He said during COVID, uh, absenteeism in the workforce in general at Walgreens was 60%. For the disabled community, it was 6 show up for work every day. And today, that same facility now has 50% of all of their employees have disabilities. They're paid the same. They're asked to do the same amount of work. They get the same benefits. And it's this awesome. I just, it's this major transfer from people who are dependent on welfare programs and government assistance to, to self-sustainability. One day, Randy's walking through the plant and uh, one of the employees, they have the employee's families come to work that day. And one of the uh, fathers, he's in a wheelchair. So his son is pushing him and he's showing him where he works. Very proud of this Walgreens facility where he works because he has a disability. And the guy pulls on Randy's arm and he says, come here. And he yanks Randy down and he says to him, he goes, now that my son has a job, I know he'll be taken care of and now I can die. And the next year he died because he finally felt comfortable that his son was going to be taken care of by himself, right? That's self-sustainability. That's what the power of a job is. That's what the power of dignity is. And I think that's an amazing story of changing mindsets and how you can change just with, with a company, with, quite frankly, with his son Austin being born with autism. And this is spread like wildfire. So it's no longer just Walgreens. Now Lowe's hires individuals with developmental disabilities. Myers hires people with developmental disabilities. Best Buy hires people with disabilities. And they're all doing it, and they're all realizing that not only is it the right thing to do, but it's good business, too. I think that's pretty awesome. And Randy, like you, is not from Illinois. He's not from Illinois. He's down in Texas. He was, uh, 
He, he comes from the great state of Texas and one of the examples of people moving and has planted his roots. And he tells the story, this is where his home is, right? It's not Texas. In fact, he has a funny story that he was so deeply ingrained in Texas culture. When his son was born, he brought dirt and he plant, put it underneath the bed of his son so that his, he could say that his son was born over Texas soil. And that's how much he loved Texas. But he doesn't have any interest in moving back. For him, this is home because this is where he built his life. This is where he built his community. This is where his friends are. This is where his family are. And this is where he's committed to staying and fighting. All right. Well, Matt, thanks so much for previewing the podcast. It's going to launch later this month. So stay tuned for that, everybody. Um, but it's always great to hear from you and to get your perspective on the most important work that we're focusing on today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, so. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.